Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. The show is in its 21st year on voiceamerica.com, one of the first shows on the Internet at that time. And now there are probably over 300 shows on Voice America, and it's a wonderful network, and it's a great way to be motivated and, and hear from some amazing experts Um, This show is really about turning your obstacles into opportunities and your problems into solutions. And I've been doing this program or I've been doing this type of work and interviewing positive role models for about four decades. So I'm very happy to interview today Zoe Kors. And she's the author of the book Radical Intimacy, Cultivate the Deeply Connected Relationships You Desire and Deserve. Right. Zoe Kors is a sought-after thought leader of intimacy and sexuality. She's the resident sex and intimacy coach at sexual wellness app Coral and the former senior editor of LA Yoga Magazine. In addition to a thriving private practice, Zoe offers her services through the Center for Relational Healing, which specializes in the treatment of sex addicts and their partners. As a member of the CRH team, Zoe works with clients to reintroduce healthy sexuality and intimacy after the trauma of betrayal. Welcome, Zoe. Thank you, Patricia. I'm so happy to be here today. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, your book is, you know, part philosophical, part practical, part guide to sexual manifestation, part manifesto, um, but it's an accessible and unique perspective on the work of relationship. And, you know, what I think I'd like to ask you first is when we look at relationship, a lot of us, not all of us, but many of us in our society look at relationship, particularly intimate relationships in one way. It's a committed partnership, you know, it's, it, and, and we look at it in, in certain ways in terms of what we should do and shouldn't do. Is that changing, I mean, in the way that sort of gender recognition is changing and sort of, you know, the way we're looking at relationships, is it changing? Please comment on that. <laughs> yeah, I think it is changing. I think that we have a, um, I mean, you know, whenever there is social change, right, there's a, a sort of establishment that digs their heels in. Um, right. But I do think that we are broadening our sort of perspective of what relationships can be. And I think that we're all, or many of us, are starting to take a closer look at the ways in which we've been conditioned to believe life is, and we are, and relationships are. So, um, yes, with gender recognition, I think that that's, um, that's all sort of one thread of a of a sort of awakening and opening up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might, you know, that might exist. That kind of new awareness might exist inside of what looks like a traditional relationship, but feels a little bit different to the, to the partners involved. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, in one, I, I'm going to give you like the opposite direction. So millennials, one study shows that 20% of people ages 18 to 34 admit to checking their phones during sex. Okay. And now yeah. we have, all right, now let's look at baby boomers. 
some who've been, you know, together or married or partnered for 30, 40, 50 years. And many of them will say, you know, we don't even have, we don't even have that in our relationship anymore. So it, it, it's very interesting, this sort of dynamic of, you know, what is sex and what is sexuality? And I think a lot of us were brought up with certain, um, you know, uh, stereotypes and methods and, uh, and things you should and shouldn't do. So again, I, I love your comment on that, kind of where you see yeah. it among the generations yeah, well, I, I think that um, the generations are closer together than we even realize because ultimately what we're looking for is um, connection, is to be right. seen, see and be seen, and to be deeply right. connected to the people in our lives. And right. I think that that's just human condition, no matter how old you are or where you come from in the world. Um, and uh, so... So one of the reasons why I wrote the book and, and the meaning of radical intimacy, really, and why it's radical is because we tend to think of intimacy and sex the same as the same thing. We conflate those two right. words. And actually, um, intimacy, sex is one uh, small part of intimacy, but intimacy is dimensional. And so... I like to look at that as um, I define three kinds of intimacy, emotional, physical, and what I call energetic, um, and three levels of intimacy, the self, other, and the world. And so if you mm. grid those out, almost like a bingo card, um, mm. with the three kinds across the top and the three levels up the side, you end up with these nine squares of opportunity to cultivate deep connection. So that looks like emotional intimacy with self, physical intimacy with self, um, energetic intimacy with self, and then the same with other, which is your partner or your family member or a friend or your child or the barista at Starbucks. And then mm -hmm. there's world, which is nature, um, or even mm. um, big swaths of the population. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense to me, right? Because, and I think yeah. also, too, something you just said, like, you know, whether if it's a barista at a coffee store or a coffee shop, I think that we can become intimate, if you will, with people that we've just met, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's a connection. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, I mean, I just met someone, and it was very... It was just, there was just something there, you know, and I'm talking about in a general sense, just in terms of, gee, we're on the same page. Gee, we really have to talk yeah. more. It was like, you just felt it. And it was like an intimacy, even though it wasn't, you know, that type of intimacy, it was, because it was very emotional. It was like, wow, they really got this. Yeah. I got to find out yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I like to think of that. Sometimes there's a... Um, when I speak about energetic intimacy, there is that thing that, that most of us have encountered, you know, at least once in our lives, sometimes, you know, on a regular basis where you just click with someone, you feel like you're on the same, like you're yes. vibrating at the same frequency, right? Yeah. There's something that you share, there's something familiar, um, and and that's kind of a moment of energetic intimacy, but energetic intimacy can be... Um, you'll, you'll see that in a couple when they are cooking dinner or taking a mm. walk, 
uh, or a road trip or um, that sort of shared experience. Um, and yeah. that is something that I use in counseling couples um, who one wants a very physical connection and one wants a very emotional connection. And they're mm. at a little bit of a relational stalemate there. And very often I'll be able to leverage um, an energetic connection outside of speech and touch to be able to have them connect in a way that sort of both of them can feel and, and um, sort of paves the way for other kinds of connection. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that, I mean, I understand that completely. I think that makes so much sense. And it can just be sometimes having a conversation with someone where you're working something out together, right? You're problem solving or you're watching something together and one doesn't understand, the other one does, and you're explaining it to each other. I mean, that's a sort of emotional intimacy, don't you think? Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Um, I think any time that you can have a conversation um, that is... um, that connects you, that takes you out of the distraction of every day or the distraction of like, did you pay the bills or, you know, darn it all, you left your laundry on the floor again or, you know, any of that sort of minutia of life. Um, That's an opportunity for, for substantive connection and intimacy. Sure. Yeah. Before we, we're going to have a break in a minute, but I want to ask you this at the beginning of the interview, rather at the end, because I'm fascinated and I'm sure listeners are too. How did you decide to do this type of work, Zoe? I mean, this is very, you know, this is very nuanced and uh, you don't just say, oh, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm sure it evolved. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, there are, there are a lot of things. I, I feel like, you know, it's one of those stories where you hear people say, like, everything I've ever done has led me to this moment. Yes. But yeah. um, I think specifically um, one, of the, one of the sort of key signposts along the road was that I had a 10-year sexless marriage when I was in my 20s. And I... I had all, you can imagine, like, I had all kinds of feelings about it. I did not know what I know now. Um, And I had previously felt like I was very healthy sexually. And here I was married to a man that I loved very much. Um, He was awesome. And we we actually share a daughter now who's an adult. And uh, he and I are like brother and sister. We're very good friends and co-parents. Um, but at the time that we were married, um, I just had absolutely no desire for him. And I couldn't say why. I didn't, I didn't understand what was happening to me. And I thought that it was maybe a hormonal problem, a physical problem. Um, I just, I, I blamed myself. There was a lot of shame and guilt, and he felt rejected and um, resentful, and it just was not a good situation at all. And my gynecologist couldn't help me. My therapist couldn't help me. And so finally, one thing led to another. It was a long, agonizing road in that department, and we ended up... um, terminating the marriage. We ended up getting divorced and it really set me on a lifelong mission to understand sexuality and how that Mm. relates to, you know, partnership and individuals and partnership. 
Yeah, I have a question. Did you did you discover what it was that was the problem? Yeah, I did, but I but it was not an easy answer. Um, I think mm-hmm. that there were definitely aspects of the relationship um, dynamic that I didn't know affected my sexuality, my desire uh-huh. for him, and it mm-hmm. it it the awareness of that kind of came in stages over the decades. So it wasn't like a light switch flipped on. But that's an interesting point I'd like to make, is that sometimes you can love someone, as you said, and feel close to them, but and it could be their belief system or their attitude or the way they think that just is is not in, in sync with you, and that could affect your physical desire. Does that make sense? Does that sound right? It does. It does. It does sound right. And sometimes it's not just the way they think, but the way that they show up uh, in in the dynamic. Um, yeah. They can be passive. Yeah. They can be needy. Yeah. They can yeah. be... Um, there's just a lot of different things that can affect, um, ultimately, the sort of level of safety and trust. Mm. And, and I don't mean infidelity. I just... I understand. Uh, it's nuanced and it's subtle, but there's a there's a dynamic there that happens that I address with energetic intimacy with that concept. So, so, um, so here's my question. Now, having decades later, you doing this kind of work and working with couples that have had that same issue that you had, are you able to help them move through that and move to that um, intimacy? Yes. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I'm not, not going to lie, right. for some couples that come to me, they have waited to a point where it's, it's time, and ultimately they both sort of, uh, I think, come to the conclusion that it's time to complete the relationship or the marriage. But, um, but for many, many couples, um, yes, absolutely. There's, there, are, there are, sometimes it's, it's quite simple. Sometimes it's an easy fix. Sometimes it takes a little bit more digging around and identifying what's going on and then, you know, reversing out of that. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's, um, but what you went through, and, you know, and I think this is something that I'd like to talk about, and that is that many times when we've been through hard things in our life, that it really helps us to help other people. I mean, I mean, so many people I've interviewed, probably 70% of my guests, whatever they're doing to help people, they've been through in some way. And that was the catalyst to get them to do what they're doing. And maybe they wouldn't yeah. have been able to do it if they hadn't gone through it. Yes, absolutely. There are a lot of things. I mean, I, I, I've been through a lot of um, hard things in my life. I'm a cancer survivor. Um, I was divorced after a sexless marriage. I've had 21 surgeries in my life. Uh, I was just recently, about two and a half years ago, I was in the hospital in the ICU with Legionnaire's disease. Like, there are a lot of things. And while I wouldn't say that those are the best things that ever happened to me, um, I certainly have become much stronger and have a much, deeper level of self-awareness because of those difficult times. Mm. Yeah, yeah, pretty, I mean, really amazing. And 
So the work that you do, you do this work in groups or you do this work in couples? Do you teach courses or therapy or is it kind of all of the above? It's it's really all of the above. I do a lot of one-on-one individual sessions. I have a mm-hmm. a great um I've been working through Zoom way before the pandemic, um, so I'm able to work with clients all over the world, which is lovely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and then I also do run some groups periodically. Um, I do a lot of group work at um, Center for Relational Healing, which is um, and helping couples heal, which is um, a group of therapists that specialize in sex addiction and compulsive sexual behavior and betrayal trauma. Um, so when somebody is acting out and has problematic sexual behavior and is um, betraying the partnership, their partner then suffers a trauma. So there's a whole sort of process by which these couples heal. My role on the group is to um, help couples once they have sort of restored trust and healed the relationship and everybody's sober and um, mm. then my my role is to help them get back into the bedroom and integrate yeah. healthy sexuality sometimes for yeah. the first time in their relationship um, some wow. some part for some partners sex has never been really healthy and mm. so um, yeah. so we do a lot of that work in groups as well so we have a couple minutes to break but can you kind of um, debunk the myth you know that oh if you're a sex addict you're a deviant you know, there's something wrong with you. I mean, Kim, whatever it is, it's your danger. Can you talk about this? Because many times people develop sex addiction just like they develop a drug addiction or a substance use, right? It's a behavioral addiction because they're, there's something else they're not facing. So talk about that. That's right. That's right. And there are two schools of thoughts. I mean, some people um, are hesitant to call it sex addiction um, because Unlike substances, there isn't a chemical addiction, just like food addiction, um, very similar. So um, whether you call it addiction or not, there is compulsive, there is behavior um, with um, food and sex and love um, that is, uh, it it, it can be compulsive and look and behave very much like an addiction. Um, Mm -hmm. Sex addicts are not deviants. There is something going on, usually rooted in trauma, like any other addiction Mm -hmm. or or compulsive behavior, um, that that is, it's actually as much an intimacy disorder as anything, where Mm -hmm. um, the person who is acting out exactly what you said is avoiding, and Mm -hmm. it's like a faulty coping mechanism, Mm -hmm. where they're trying to avoid right. um, the facing, you know, the, the effects right. of something that happened to them, and right. they're acting out in that way. Right. So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's talk about how you help people start to develop healthy intimacy. All right. My guest is Zoe Kors. She's a sought-after thought leader of intimacy and sexuality. She's the resident sex and intimacy coach at Sexual Wellness App Coral and former senior editor of LA Yoga Magazine. She has a thriving practice. She offers her services through the Center for Relational Healing and specializes in the treatment of sex addicts and their partners. And she works with clients to reintroduce healthy sexuality and intimacy after the trauma of betrayal. So in this next segment, we're going to talk about healthy sexuality and how we can 
rebuild that after trauma, betrayal, anything you've been through that, um, you know, that affects it. All right, everyone, you're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's time to get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson, the Midlife Whisperer. Your midlife roadmap is the blueprint you need to roll with change, transform yourself, and create a fabulous second adulthood. Get answers and solutions for whatever you're up against and transform problems into opportunities. Make your next life chapter your best chapter with Rock Your Midlife every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think of the world. 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. My guest is Zoe Kors. She's a sought-after thought leader of intimacy and sexuality. She's the resident sex and intimacy coach at Sexual Wellness App Coral, and she's the former senior editor of LA Yoga Magazine. She has a thriving practice, in private practice, and she offers her services through the Center for Relational Healing. And she works to reintroduce healthy sexuality and intimacy after the trauma or betrayal. So, Zoe, what I want you to talk about next is how you do that. We've talked a lot about causes of trauma and how you do work with people, but what are some of the things that you help them with to introduce that healthy sexuality and intimacy when that's been, the trust has been damaged? Yeah, um, well, it's interesting because trust is really reestablished outside the bed. One of the things that I... Um, that I help couples see is that all of the work that they've done and they come to me 
after their relationship is largely healed and trust is restored. So when it comes to healthy sexuality, it's as much about um, sex education um, as, as anything. Sex education and then putting practices in place to help people have better, more connected um, sex with more pleasure and more respect and uh, more intimacy. So, um, you know, we, we review things like consent um, and knowing how to ask consent from a partner, even if it's somebody that you've been with for a very long time, um, especially after some sort of trauma, you want to make sure that every step of the way your partner is feeling comfortable and relaxed and is not having a trauma response. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, knowing what your influences are so that you can, um, so that you can make choices and that you're not internalizing other people's ideas of what sex or sexuality should be. Um, And then, you know, a good deal of of self-love and self-acceptance and um, intimacy with yourself because we can only meet each other to the extent that we can meet ourselves. So we need to really know ourselves so that we can then share those parts of ourselves with someone else and know what it is that we're sharing, if that makes sense. Yeah, let let me ask you, how do you help people do that or couples do that when one is maybe ashamed to talk or afraid of being rejected or afraid the person might shut them out? How do you help them get through that part? Yeah, well, there are, um, you know, there are a lot of, there's a lot of foundational work to do first, um, identifying for couples what is going well, what they love about each other, what they respect about each other, what their relationship, you know, it's a common sort of couples uh, counseling technique where you um, you sort of see each partner as whole and individual, and then you see a third entity, and that's the relationship. So we talk about, like, what each partner contributes to the relationship itself. Um, mm-hmm. And that can be outside of bed. It can be inside of bed. It, it's, um, it's, it's connective, and it's sort of focusing on what things work really well. And once we have that established, then we can start to have some of the difficult conversations. Um, there are dialogue techniques. Um, Imago is a wonderful technique, Imago yes. dialogue. Yes. Um, and so, you know, we, we learn how to talk to each other, how to be vulnerable, how to present our vulnerabilities and our feelings, and then have... The, our partner mirror that back and hold the space and give permission. And, um, and then I also do a lot of couples meditation and eye gazing and things that are sort of um, maybe not traditional mm-hmm. uh, psychotherapy techniques, right. but more along the lines of, of meditation and consciousness. Right. But so let me ask you this. Two people have to want this, right? I mean, if one people, one person says, I really want this, and the other person says, forget it, I don't even believe in this, it's not going to happen. Am I right? Correct. Correct. Yes, yeah. that's right. Both partners have to be in it. And that's one of the things that a, a good coach or a therapist will determine right away. The minute a couple comes through the door, the, the initial assessment is who wants to be here? Are they both willing? Are they both... Um, can they, are they both 
wanting to do the work and save the relationship. And if one partner has a one foot out the door um, or one and a half feet out the door, um, it's not going to work. And you tell them that? I do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And how do you say that? Do you just say something like, I feel like you or one of you, you know, really isn't interested in repairing this? I mean, how do you handle that? I would be, that's, that's a little interesting. Well, it usually comes up in the context of, of conversation. So it usually starts to reveal itself in the specifics of their situation. So if one partner is not willing to, uh, you know, it could look like a million different things, but if one partner is not willing to say, stop going to lunch with his colleague or, um, and is prioritizing things outside of the partnership over the partnership itself, then the question becomes like, how important is this to you? And what are you willing to sacrifice for, you know, the, the health and well-being of the relationship? Um, and, and sometimes, you know, sometimes having lunch with a colleague or whatever it is, um, is, um, is perfectly fine and perfectly safe, but they don't want to be told what to do. And so then mm-hmm. there's a conversation there. It's not a simple, like I talk to them for an hour right. and then I say, right. It wasn't into it. It reveals itself. As you talk. Yeah. Now you have in your book. And again, let's talk about your book, too. Um, So your book is called Radical Intimacy, Cultivate the Deeply Connected Relationships You Desire and Deserve. Okay. And uh, how can people get the book? Um, The book is available anywhere you buy books. It's on Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble. You can walk into a Barnes & Noble store. uh, Anywhere you buy books, you can find the book. Okay. So the book is Radical intimacy. Cultivate the deeply connected relationships you desire and deserve. So you have a six points, like six ways that intimacy can optimize your performance. So share those with us. Well, yeah, you know, that's actually um, what I'm talking about there. And this is this is actually something that I um that I developed for a talk um, at the Milken Conference, which is all a lot of, you know, high-performing business people. So um, the ways in which intimacy, what I'm talking about there really is that this idea of intimacy isn't just sex or in our personal life, that we are, we can be super powerful and perform better in the workplace, anywhere actually, but, uh, you know, coaching Little League games or doing whatever it is that we do. But but especially at work, it's worth thinking about intimacy as a skill for for business. And and part of that is just, you know, uh, getting to know your team members, getting to know their strengths, understanding what makes them tick, not expecting them to be something that they're not and assembling a team of people where everybody contributes their particular strengths and you know what to pull out of, of your different team members, what to ask mm-hmm. them to do, where to stretch. Um, and, and that makes for a great performance, not just from your team, but from you as a manager. 
Um, it also, when you are an employee and you are on a team, so you, 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 you're on this team and you've got a manager who's asking you all to do certain tasks or make a contribution to a project, when it's something that you're not great at, not being afraid to say, this isn't my strength, this is my superpower, and I would like to own this piece of the puzzle, but this piece that you're asking me to do, I'm, it's not, I think that, you know, John over here would be actually a much better person to deliver that piece. So knowing yourself and being able to lean into the things that you're really good at and communicate that and own those um, also is um, performance enhancing. So there's a level of intimacy that just has to do with knowing ourselves through and through and being comfortable stepping into who we really are. Yeah. And I think what you're saying is that it extends from the bedroom to the office to the boardroom, that it's, you know, it, you take yourself with you. We're not separating yeah. this thing into, well, I'm, uh, this is my personality here and there. Now, we maybe have different behaviors with different people, but we're still, we still carry our energy with us. Yes, exactly right, Patricia. Yeah. So talk about... Um, the paradox of connection. What does that mean? That's in your book. Yeah. Um, the paradox of connection is that um, it, it's this thing that I, that I sort of um, alluded to, that we can meet each other only to the extent that we can meet ourselves. So when um, somebody comes to me, either an individual who's wanting deeper connection with the people in their lives, or they're looking to meet their, their, you know, their partner in life or a couple that's coming to me that feels really disconnected and like they've sort of lost their mojo. Really where we have to get back to is a very strong connection with ourselves. So um, I do a lot of work with people and there's a whole lot in the book about um, intimacy with self. And Mm -hmm. really knowing whether Mm -hmm. it's on the emotional level, like knowing what you feel and why you feel it um, and the nuances of, of emotions. And part of that is sort of a cognitive understanding. Like I, I sort of like, I, I know what emotions are and I can understand how anger can be rooted back in, rejection or resentment or abandonment um, or fear. Um, and then the other piece of it is, is like understanding your own tendencies, what makes you angry, what makes you sad, um, and, and being able to sort of speak about that and own your piece of the puzzle. Um, mm-hmm. And that in turn fosters connection with another person because you're not coming to them with a bunch of sort of emotions and thoughts and feelings that you yourself don't even understand. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's self-knowledge. I mean, that's really what you're saying. It's self-awareness and yeah. self-knowledge and that all goes with it. That all goes with it. Um, the other thing you talk about, and it sounds like you're, you've just talked about it is something called beyond the mask. Is that what you mean? Um, kind of, 
yourself beyond the mask, where sometimes the mask is what we show at work or in public, that sort of public face? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that we have different masks, right? And this is also something that you just touched on, that, you know, no matter where you go, there you are. Um, but there is a sort of like, um, there's a personality that we project and, and there's a much sort of deeper level of personhood behind that mask. And sometimes what happens is, um, even in a long-term partnership, we end up with this sort of like looking at our partner and looking at our partner's mask, you know, like we've. This happens especially when you're navigating a sort of like a a spouse partner um, situation, like that part of the relationship. And when Mm -hmm. you become co-parents, it's um, often you have one identity as spouses and one identity as co-parents. And you let that um, you let that relationship as lovers fall away right? Mm-hmm. Because you're so busy with the other roles. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, life is crazy and managing a household and managing careers and managing kids and all of that. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to just sort of let let that go. So seeing beyond the masks we wear is super important for long term committed partnership. You know, we've got to get in there and really see each other and re re-meet each other over and over and over again through the years. And I think, doesn't that create intimacy when you're with your partner and they can see that? They know that maybe that's a side of you you're showing to other people, but they know the real you. Isn't that part of an intimacy? A hundred percent, yes. That's that's very accurate. Do you feel that in, in your life? I think so. I think so. I think sometimes people don't always, you know, I mean, particularly in the work that I do where I'm a broadcaster and I'm also a trainer. So in a way I'm performing, even though I'm, you know, really sharing, but there's certainly a persona that you show when you're in that role. That's a little bit different, you know, than when you're in your childlike state and you're acting like a (laughs) two-year-old, you know what I mean? Or you're getting annoyed. So, you know, it's being able to understand and accept that, that, you know, I'm not going to act in those ways now with somebody I'm close to, I will. And they'll see that part more than they'll see this sort of professional persona. They see that too, but not as much. Right. That's right. And and the thing is that you're you are playing a role. You're playing a role, but not that you're fooling anybody. Not like you're acting, but right. you are serving a purpose, right? When you're right. hosting your radio show, you're serving a purpose for your listeners and for your guests, and mm-hmm. um, and you have that all together. You know, it's it's not appropriate for you to you know get up and dance like a two year old and be exactly. silly and giggle. Right. And the same when you're training. And so people expect certain things of you and you deliver on that. But um, but it is it's wonderful when the people that are closest to us in our lives can really um, see us in our sort of uh, uncrafted, untamed, raw, you know, authentic selves, the full breadth, you know, the sides that not everybody gets to see. Right. And understands them and accepts them. I think that's that's mm-hmm. another key. 
it's another key. So that's right. It's not always giggling. Sometimes it's it's weeping and crying or frustration or right. whatever. That's right. Right. And trusting that person that it's okay that you're vulnerable. I mean, isn't that what Benet Brown talks about a lot? Is that vulnerability? You know, being able to be vulnerable. And people are afraid if they're vulnerable, that you know that um, they'll be stepped on. But in a in a sense, if you find the right people to talk to, being vulnerable brings you closer to those people. It brings you That's more right. of that intimacy. But That's you have right. to be careful too, right? So I mean, you're just not going to be that way with everybody. You have to know who you can talk to. Yeah, yes. And I think a lot of it, too, is the way you present your vulnerabilities and your, you know, I mean, I could say, I could say to the barista at the coffee house, I could say I'm having a horrible day. There's a vulnerability there, but it's not, but I'm not asking her to do anything about it. I might say I'm having a horrible day and this coffee, you're really, you're, you're making my day here. You're making it just yeah, a little bit yeah, better by making yeah. coffee. And there's a, yeah. there's a vulnerability, but I'm also self-managing. Exactly. That's a great, and that's a great way to say it. I mean, it really is. And those people make yeah. a difference. You know, those, 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 those small exchanges really make a difference in our day. We don't realize it, but it does. So, 100%. so, what would you say, you know, to people in relationships who, you know, they're okay. I mean, they're okay. They're, they're, their relationship is working. They could always make it better. What might be some tips that you would give to couples, um, no matter who they are, um, you know, what, whatever their gender, whatever their culture, whatever it is, what would you say to couples to say, you know, here's something you can do to even fortify your relationship more? What would you say? Yeah. A couple things come to mind immediately. One is a hugging practice. I would, um, and I, I say this all the time, you can imagine, but um, have a, take a, um, before you leave, you know, I mean, we're, a lot of us are working from home now, but before you go off about your days, whether it's off to work or, you know, to your home office, um, take a moment every morning to, um, to hug for, for three deep, slow breaths together. So take a moment, mm-hmm. make eye contact, then hug, three deep breaths, then a, another moment of eye contact, and, and then you can say goodbye. But having that um, moment of um, connection like that, that is visceral, it's sensual, it's energetic um, is really important just to feel that, feel that uh, in your body. Um, And I would do it again, you know, in the evening, either when you reunite after your long day or before you go to bed. But a hugging practice in the morning and at night is really such a good medicine for our crazy world that we live in. Um, Mm. And then the other thing that I love to say is, this is a little bit more, this takes a little bit more in, intention, but, um, but do this on a regular basis, you know, once a week, uh, or if that's too much and you really can't manage it, even, you know, once every other week or once a month if you have to, that's a bare minimum. Um, cook dinner together and, um, and really delight in the process of cooking dinner. Like, put on some music have some fun, do not talk about uh, work or, you know, kids or 
paying bills or any of those things or the you know the way your your mother is driving you crazy or any of that just yeah. be as if you were dating like self-manage so that as if you were dating when you were first dating you would be judicious about what you shared and the way the conversation went and um, just be present and have a good time and and really delight in the whole process of cooking dinner and then also delight in the eating of dinner eat mindfully to eat slowly every bite take it in with all five senses mm-hmm. right and so that what that does is it connects you to yourself, to the food you're eating. You might even like take a look at, you know, where this food came from and, and imagine the grocer that stocked the shells or even the farmer that grew the vegetables and the, and the seed and the soil and all of that. And, and really understand like the sort of deep universality of what's happening. Um, at the sensual delight of all five senses, and then you're sharing this experience so it's connective together. Mm, wonderful. All right, we have about three minutes left. So um, closing thoughts, what would you like people, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Tell us about your podcast and about your book <laughs> and about your website, and then your words so, of wisdom to close. Yes, okay. So um, you can find me. The hub is zoecores.com. You can find um, everything on that website, Z-O-E-K-O-R-S.com. Um, the book is Radical Intimacy. You can get it wherever you buy books. The podcast is the Radical Intimacy Podcast. You can get that wherever you get your podcasts. And my invitation to you is to live a fuller experience of life. There is so much to enjoy, even in these stressful times, especially in these stressful times. There's so many things that you can do that will enrich your experience of your life and, um, and create a, a sense of profound connection and joy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm Thank all about, you. and I hope you'll join me. Thank you, Zoe. It's been an, a, a delight to interview you today. Really. I mean, Thank it's you. wonderful material. And again, you said it's zoecores.com. Is that the website? That's correct. Z-O-E-K-O-R-S.com. Yes. All right. Thank you so much. Stay on the line for a minute. Thank you so much for being on the program, Zoe, again. Thank- All right, everyone. Um, This wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. To find me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com, and I can put you on my newsletter list so that you can see all these incredible guests I have on each week. I announce them in the newsletter. Also, if you're interested in doing your own podcast or you have a podcast and you'd like to improve it, I've interviewed about 5,000 guest experts in my four decades of doing this work, and I would love to help you. And I really believe in the power of sharing your message out there in the world and this is a great way to do it through a podcast and Zoe has one so check that out as well Zoe Kors Um, also uh, you can find me on Facebook Patricia Raskin Raskin Resources remember stay healthy stay happy get the support you need and know you can make your dreams come true until next time I'm Patricia Raskin bye for now thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin show 
Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.